0: You taught me a lesson. You, church, loving us with brotherly affection and outdoing us and showing honor, spoke volumes to my family and still does. Thank you for that. So I acknowledge as we approach this text, I'm, I'm not speaking to people who are unfamiliar with this. We as a church are people who are heavily engaged in our community. That is a great thing. But I would suggest that we can always learn. We can always grow, right? So let's walk through this in a little bit more depth. Paul says, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. You see, through Romans, Paul has been building a framework, right? An intellectual and academic framework of how we should live. He he starts with the intellectual part. He tells us that we've all sinned. No matter how religious we feel we are, no matter how much we run away from God, we've all sinned. And he tells us that the wages of sin is death. We're in dire straits. There's not much that we can do to help ourselves. And then he gives us good news. He says, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners in the depths of our sin, God didn't wait for us to get dressed up with our Sunday church clothes. He didn't wait for us to stop swearing or drinking or any of these things we feel like we may need to do before we can come for him. He says, while we were still sinners in that moment, as we're running away from God, he was pursuing us. As we were not focused on him, he came to pursue us. And and Paul knows that this is true. He lived this out. Paul was a guy who was a religious leader of his time. As the Christian movement started, he began persecuting the church. He gave approval that Stephen, one of the early church leaders, was killed. He was on the road to Damascus to continue to persecute those who would live their lives for Jesus when Jesus met him. He had an experience, a genuine, authentic experience with the resurrected Christ. And everything changed. And so as Paul is is delivering this letter to the church in Rome, he is speaking not as one who has only thought about this, but one who has lived this. He's gone from somebody who has devoted his life to, to persecuting the church, to murdering those who would believe in Jesus, to living his life to encourage others to live their lives for Jesus. Paul has lived this out. And so he commands us, right? He doesn't say, you guys should think about this, or maybe if you feel like it, or if your schedule permits, it's a commandment. Paul says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is a short verse, two simple sentences. Thank you, Ricardo. I appreciate that. But Paul repeats one phrase twice, this, this one another the sense of community. See, this commandment cannot be lived out in isolation. This commandment cannot be lived out individually in our houses with doors shut and shutters closed. Paul is assuming that we are in community with one another. Paul realizes that once we have been accepted into God's family, once the Heavenly Father becomes our Heavenly Father, then that means we are all brothers and sisters. That means church, you are each other's extended family, whether you like it or not, right? Those people that you awkwardly shake hands with and have those forced interactions during our time of community, right? Those awkward 30 seconds, that's your extended family now. This should be really good news for us in Arizona. I would be willing to bet the vast majority of us were not born here. I was not born here. I'm from Northern California. My wife is from Southern California. Thankfully, our in-laws moved out to the desert with us to endure alongside of us. But most of our family is in another state. This is probably true for most of you guys as well. The good news is that we have family here now. We have community here. We have people to call when we move, right? We have people to call when we're sick, We can send a text message and somebody can come over and pray with us. We are family. We have all been adopted as sons and daughters into God's family. This is a really good thing. This is a really good thing. So, Paul commands us to love one another, to outdo one another in showing honor. Why? Why? Why should we live our lives devoted to this? What is the purpose in in loving someone else? Or what is the foundation or the basis for honoring someone else? And I think that we would, in order to answer that question, we need to start in the beginning. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see that as God's creating all of these things, animals and plants, and all of the really good things that we have here on earth, he says it's good. And then God creates people. Adam and Eve. And he pauses. And he says it's very good. says that we are created in the image of God. We are his image bearers. There's value in that. There's there's worth in that. The fact that we are created in God's image tells us that we are valuable people. We should honor one another. The poet and MC propaganda describes describes value in this way. It's Uh, The lengths to which one will go to obtain an object. The price one is willing to pay. We know this is true. If I offered you a McDonald's cheeseburger, you may pay a couple bucks. If I offered you a steak from Roose Chris, you'd probably pay a little bit more. It's more valuable. If God was willing to send his son to purchase our lives, to enter into a relationship with us, then that fact alone would suggest that that we have value, that we should love one another, that we should consider one another as family. For For some of us, this is very comfortable. We grew up with great brothers and sisters, and this concept of brotherly affection feels good. For others, maybe not so much. We understand that while everything was created good, we do live in a broken and sinful and fallen world. And so hearing that we should love one another as brothers and sisters, for some of us, that may not resonate so positively. We may think about the relationships that we have with our families, with our loved ones. And there may be chaos and dysfunction and brokenness in those. Know that what the gospel does is it acknowledges where we are, but it pushes us towards where we should be. It informs us of what ought to be. We know that some of our relationships are broken. All of our relationships are broken in one way or another. But what Paul is calling us to in this is the ideal sense of brotherly affection. The ideal sense of family. The thing that leaves us unsettled when we, when we can look at something and realize this is not the way it should be. He's pushing us towards what ought to be. That is how we ought to. To love one another. Why don't we? Well, I think the easy answer is sin. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. We've experienced hurt. And so we're scared to be vulnerable. We've experienced betrayal. And so we're really hesitant to step out there in vulnerability and love someone. We've been taught from an early age we need to take care of number one. Look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog world, and so we're reluctant to honor someone more than we honor ourselves. We hear these opportunities to serve uh, all the time here, right? We know that the children's ministry needs help. We hear that, but we also hear the other voices. We hear the voices that say, there's, there's somebody who's more qualified, There's somebody who's more educated. There's somebody who's more fun. There's somebody who's more engaging with children. So not me, I'll I'll pass on that. We know that we're looking for greeters, but some voice tells us we're not qualified to open a door and wave or to walk up and down an aisle and hand out a Bible. There must be somebody with more experience in Bible handing outing than me, right? (laughs) This is the reality of where we live. This is the reality of our our world. We know that some people, we just don't like that much. We don't want to love them. We don't want to honor them. And so how do we do it? We know that Paul has called us to this. We know that God has invited us into this family. And we don't always feel like it. We don't always want to. And because of our our past hurts or our future fears, we don't engage. So what do we do? I'll give you guys the answer that most of our high school students typically give us on a Wednesday night. Jesus! Right? And it is the typical church answer, but it's true. We can look to Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us this about Jesus. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You see, Jesus isn't just a good example that we should look up to. He's more than that. He's nothing less than that, but he's more than that. He's the fulfillment of this. Jesus is the fulfillment of loving one another with brotherly affection. Jesus is the fulfillment of outdoing one another in showing honor. God, the creator of everything, the creator of powerful monsoons and dust storms, the creator of beautiful sunsets and blistering heat and all of the things that we see humbled himself to engage into a relationship with us he took on flesh not the flesh of a powerful full-grown man but the humble vulnerable flesh of a baby born to a woman relying upon her to sustain his life he learned and he grew and he walked the earth with us in our midst he experienced the things that we experienced the love and the joy and the sorrow and the betrayal he humbled himself he he crafted stories and language that we would understand to explain who he is and explain who god is and explain the ways that god continues to pursue us he loved us with brotherly affection he outdid us in showing honor and he still does he humbled himself and allowed himself to be arrested To be put on trial. To be beaten and whipped and crucified and murdered. He humbled himself. He loved us. And he was raised. So that we now may enter into this family with him. He has granted us access to the father. So that we can cry out alongside Jesus, Abba, Daddy. And God opens his arms and welcomes us in like a loving father does. And now we look around at our brothers and sisters and we realize that we're different and we realize that we're unique and we have all of these different giftings and perspectives and now we can serve alongside one another. And now we can start to live out this commandment and now things change for us just like the way things change for Paul. Now we realize that we can't just skip out of church right after communion before the last songs are over because we are commanded to love one another. And I cannot do that from the parking lot. I have to do that in conversations with you guys. We realize that when we allow our sin and our past and our insecurities to hold us back, it doesn't just affect us. Sin doesn't just affect us. It affects our community because we're in this together. My insecurities hold me back from serving alongside with you guys. You are affected. Our communities are affected. So here we are, family. Paul tells us, Paul commands us to love one another with brotherly affection. To outdo one another in showing honor. And I wonder what would this look like? What would this look like for us if we began to take this more seriously than we already do? In the midst of our crazy six months of hospital stays and sickness, I had a coworker. worker uh, He doesn't go to church. He was raised Jewish and not really interested in anything religious. However, he told me one day as we were sharing another one of the amazing stories that you, of how you guys blessed my family. He said, you know what? If I ever go to church, I'm going to your church. Because you guys take care of each other. And I don't see that anywhere else. That's a good thing. I wonder what this would mean in our neighborhoods. If our neighbors saw saw our church taking care of one another. Loving one another with brotherly affection. Outdoing one another and showing honor. What would this mean as we serve alongside one another uh, to the different sectors of of our community? What would this mean on a state level? As we think about AZ 127 and the foster care initiative that, that we're engaged in, what would this mean nationally? What would this mean for our brothers and sisters in Ferguson? What would this mean for our brothers and sisters in Iraq, in Israel, in Gaza, and all of these things that Jim prayed about earlier today? This is a simple commandment that I think has a profound impact. I think the more that we can continue to, to dream and to brainstorm about how we can live this out, well, the more we'll spread the gospel. Because this is, this is the gospel. That Christ loved us with brotherly affection. So he outdid us in showing honor. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, we thank you We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you pursue us. We thank you that you call us sons and daughters. We thank you that you outdo us in showing honor. God, we thank you for the opportunity to partner alongside what you are doing. The good work you're doing in our community and in our families and in our neighborhoods. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that He humbled himself, that he served, that he loved, that he died, and that he rose again. We thank you for an opportunity to live life with one another. We thank you for brothers and sisters. We thank you for the complexities that that brings. We love you, Jesus. Help us to love you more. Help us to love each other more. We pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen.